In the fall each year we all congregate The bound all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a precious Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldog show. I am your host, Seth Saunders, and we are joined by our fourth guest picker of the year. We are honored to have Lily Rose with us. Lily is a country music recording artist. Her single In My Drinks is out right now, and it's awesome. So please go and grab that. And probably most importantly, she is a damn good dog. So Lily, welcome to the show. Dude, I'm stoked to be here. Anything that has to do with the University of Georgia, I'm excited for. But football specifically, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this thing. So we know you love the dogs, and we're going to talk plenty about that. But I got to tell you, one of the main reasons that we asked you to come on is prior to the opener in Atlanta, I actually left at 5.30 in the morning on a flight out of Charleston to go to the game. And the reason I left at 5.30 is because Friday night, my wife and I were at the Sam Hunt concert in Charleston, Dude. where where Miss Lily Rose opened, and she was awesome. Hey, that, I appreciate that. That, one, that was so fun. And that, it was a cool little stadium there. Are, do you guys don't live in Charleston, though? Yeah, yeah. We, so my wife and I live uh, like an Isle of Palms, so like right across the intercoastal. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah. So it was it was awesome. We we got there super early because we're old and that's what old people do. <laughs> and we like got in our seats and you like started your set and the energy was awesome. And then like halfway through the set, and I've said this on like the last three episodes, but I was like, you go, hey, look, I know we're in South Carolina, but I'm a Georgia girl and we got a big duck hunt tomorrow. Yeah, go we're going dogs. duck hunting. And, and I look at my wife ever- and I go. I go, oh, this is going to work out just fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. I, I'm, I'm still so stoked about, oh, I'm, one, I'm glad you were there, and thanks for the kind words. I know we're just going to talk about Georgia football, but it's hard not to sit there and just reel in that week one win. I mean, oh. like, we just, we own Bo Nix. <laughs> we do. I mean, he is just, Georgia is in every one of his nightmares from oh. here on out. <laughs> Yeah, poor Bo. Hey, at least they recovered, got a good little win against BYU last weekend. But boy, tough, tough afternoon for Bo and for Coach Lanning. But it was a glorious afternoon for all of us wearing red and black. It was fantastic. It was. It was. Well, I'm I'm so stoked that you were there in Charleston, and it, it was a great show. And Sam Hunt and Ryan Hurd are incredible people, and obviously real good at their jobs. So hope you. Had fun. It was. It was a really good show, and like I mean this. You, you were great and your band is great too like y'all's energy was awesome it was just I, I was telling my wife I was like it's so tough well so first off I said do you know how much she's had to work just to get on that stage number one yeah. but then also I don't know the energy and like the talent it takes to rev up that crowd and get everything ready. I, we were just really impressed and you should be proud of yourself and your band should be proud of themselves. Y'all were great. So keep rocking it. it. Thanks dude. I mean, Hey, I'm a big believer in preparation meets opportunity. That's when things really get to work out for you and villain going viral on TikTok and everything was the opportunity that cracked the door, kind of beat the door down for me, but 
it all started in Athens, you know, like my first shows that I played, I have so much of my career to attribute to that city. And people ask me all the time, like, well, why'd you leave Athens? And like, you know, it's not an industry town. It's a music, it's a music town, but it's not a music city. It's not an industry city. So to be in commercial music, you got to be in LA or Nashville at this point, not even New York, kind of Atlanta again, but it's a uh, everything, you know, when I think of all of the years of just when the, the flip book goes, if I've made it onto that big stage with Sam Hunt, it all starts at Boar's Head. It starts on Washington Street in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. And, and uh, we're, we're stoked we get to go back there and play the Georgia Theater on Saturday. It's very full circle. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought up Boar's Head. I do want to talk to you about that. But I know you have a, a ton of exciting stuff going on in your life right now. And I think chief among them is Georgia Theater Saturday night. I mean, how awesome is that? Let's go. You know, I've been lucky enough to play the theater a couple of times when I was in school in Athens, but to do it with, uh, you know, at a new level, especially with my buddy, Travis Denning, who's crushing it right now. And a Saturday post-game Georgia theater show has been one of the biggest things I've wanted to do my whole career. So I'm stoked doing my best to not get drunk during the game. At noon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we got to clock in later that night and uh, it's going to be nothing short of a party. <laughs> Yeah, we had Travis on last week and chat with him about it. So, you know, it kind of sets up perfectly. You get a noon kick, so everybody's going to be up and at them, ready to go. Yep. Game will be over by four at the latest. Everybody get a quick nap in, straight to the Georgia Theater and just rev it up again. Dude, and, you know, as much as I would love selfishly, because, you know, we're on tour so much, I used to go to five or six games a year. And now it's kind of like, I'm lucky if I can get two A games. So selfishly, would I love to see us play somebody that's not Kent State? <laughs> yes, but when it comes to the vibes of an Athens Georgia win at home, it, we're, we're almost guaranteed. So I'm, I'm stoked. <laughs> yeah, so you brought up the Boar's Head. Tell us about that. I know you played a lot of shows there. That was a place to cut your teeth. And I know kind of a proving ground in the sense that college towns are tough places to play. You know, folks have short attention spans and there's especially in Athens, a lot of stuff going on. What did you learn from your experiences at the Boar's Head and what did you take away from that moving forward? Yeah, you know, uh, there, I, I really wanted to go to school here in Nashville and go to Belmont. And my dad was like, no, you're going in state. We're not spending the money on that. And I understood. I was like, okay, but I want to go to Belmont. It's where, it's where people learn, they go and they write songs and they get connected in the music industry and all of this. And um, that's probably one of the most important crossroads of my life was going to Athens instead of Nashville because starting off at a place like Boar's Head taught me how to be on stage. It taught me how to write set lists. It taught me that at the end of the day, who is creating plans for everyone? Women. Women are creating the plans for their friends, for their husbands, for their wives, whatever it is. And if you can write a set list that gets girls in the building, the boys will follow and other Correct. girls will as well. <laughs> Correct. Me, it was this really cool thing of like, yo, I'm learning how to be not only an artist and getting to book my own shows and I'm booking agent, manager, artist, all of this, but I'm truly learning how to be on stage, troubleshoot if my tuner pedal stops working or if my guitar dies or if I pop a string or anything like that. It's back to that preparation meets opportunity thing that now if I'm on stage in front of 9,000 people in Charleston opening for Sam Hunt and I break a string, I'm not sweating it. I already know. I already have you know, B plan, C plan, and D plan of what I do after that. And a lot, a lot of that's attributed to Boar's Head 
and uh, learning how to play with with people, jamming to songs. You know, I I never co-wrote anything until I moved up here to Nashville. So it's not like I was writing a lot with other people in in Athens. But man, when I when I think of everything that has gotten me to where I am right now as the performer that gives off energy to hype up a crowd, it's uh I think think back to Borshead. Yeah, one of my favorite stories that you told during the show here in Charleston was that you you come to Charleston before, obviously in your in your lead up to this point in your career and you used to go to home team and play which i love yep uga, UGA folks yeah come on and uh yep and i have a i'm gonna shout my two friends out uh marley and ryan rosenblatt that i met in athens they're damn good dogs as well they lived out there and you know i was just trying to play there was no yeah. money being made but i was touring 80 to 90 dates a year back in 2014 15 and 16 and I was like, cool, I can make a hundred bucks on a Wednesday night in Charleston. And then I'm going to drive down to Bluffton, South Carolina, and then Savannah and Ryan and Marley always put me up. And they were the only two people that were sitting in that room, a lot of Wednesday nights and, uh, in Charleston. And I'm, I'm grateful because now it's pretty full circle. <laughs> I'm always interested in this when we talk to people who have chased the dream and chased it down with the tenacity it takes to stay on task with that goal when I'm sure people in your peripheral world were saying, Hey Lily, maybe we should try something else, or maybe we should try and tack onto this. How do you stay so honed in on that goal and what keeps you going when you have tough nights or when you go, man, I just don't know if I can do this anymore. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it is stuff out of your control personality being one of them. I just have that tenacious personality I was always like that in sports growing up and I'm sure my dad wished I had a little bit more of it with the academic side of things but uh but you know I think it's personality and again something I have no control over are the parents that I was blessed with in this life and they they always supported me from day one even even when I wanted to quit school and move up here a little bit earlier they uh they were always really supportive and my fiance all of these years of being so broke and she would help me out and buy plane tickets. We did long distance and her parents, you know, I never felt questioned by her parents. So I was just surrounded by a lot of people that didn't bat an eye at the dream I was chasing and they knew how hard I was working. And, you know, the best advice I ever got was never have a plan B and I got it early and I'm really grateful. And I always kept that in the back of my mind of like, yo, like you just can't even think about a plan B. You can't think about it. And I never did. And uh, there were more than a couple of nights where I didn't think I could get any more defeated. And why not me? I can, pl I can play these shows. I can write a set list. I can tour. I'm a kind human. I can write my ass off. And, um, you know, it's just never on your timetable. And it's taught me a lot now of the patience of, just because I had a song go viral and I kind of got everything I wanted in this career really quickly. I'm back to the steady grind of, yo, it's just patience. And like, it didn't happen then because it wasn't supposed to yet. And you just got to put your nose to the ground and work every single day. Cause that's all you can control is today. So it's not a career for the faint of heart, chasing it and getting it. It's just not. And uh, I was born to do it. So I'm, I'm grateful it happened. Now you brought up villain and you brought up TikTok and we are new to TikTok because again, like I said, we're old, so I'm feeling my way through it, but I do dig it a lot. 
okay. I think of all the, the social media outlets out there now, it's the one where you kind of, I feel like you almost get the pulse best. I feel like there's almost a wall in the other ones now, whereas TikTok seems more raw. And obviously you had villain pop there. Um, so can you take us through that journey and kind of what that was like? Yeah, I, uh, I just turned 29. So back during the first year of the pandemic, I was 26, 27, and I felt way too old for that app. And I know that sounds crazy because I even think back to like 26. I'm like, oh, that's a kid. But, um, you know, the dancing and everything that was going down. Right, like, right. Just for me, like, I, I'm just not, I'm going to always stick to my gut of what feels right. And it just didn't. And uh, I saw my now two good friends, Priscilla Block and Andrew Janakis, get record deals putting their songs on TikTok. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I got good songs too. I can do that. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not going to sit around and watch other people get record deals with this medium that has this crazy algorithm that just finds the people that if they're looking for it, TikTok will get it to them. You know, it's yep. like, it will get me Georgia stuff. Even if I yep. never click on it, I don't know how they do it. I don't want to know. I don't, I don't <laughs> even know how the burgers made, you know, it's, uh, it was really interesting. And I, I got on it in October and I just started posting away and posting demos. And I, it's not like I had, I, I didn't go on the voice and I wasn't, I didn't have 60,000 Instagram followers that I brought 20,000 of them over to TikTok. The first day that I downloaded that app, I said, if I get 50 followers on here, I'll leak a demo. Got like 37, leaked it anyways. And uh, we ended up getting like 800,000 followers on TikTok in three months because of villain blowing up. And uh, bootstrap thing, just like the whole career, you know, and villain blew up and I was my own manager, my own agent, my own label, my own publisher, you know, so I had a lot of meetings that I had to take. Uh, and it was a whirlwind and probably the most exhausting month of my life by far, but it all happened. And now we're, you know, hopeful that TikTok can bring something else again, you know, that people latch on to. But the advice I have for TikTok is, and I probably give this advice once a week. I have so many people ask me about it as if I'm an expert when really I was fresh to it and the shit just happened. It just popped off. Right. right. But the one thing that I really attribute to a lot of people that have had success on that app music wise, and I think it translates to other categories too, just authenticity. People see mm-hmm. right through the try hard copying what other, other people do. It's a, it's a do as the Romans do. So seek out what's working with other people, but do it in your own way. And it's going to work every time. I'm interested in the genesis of Villain because from what I read, it was a song that you wrote anticipating that you would pitch it to a bigger artist, right? And you mentioned your fiance. What I read was that she said, look, this is, the, this is your best song. Release it. Like, let it go. Yep. And I mean, did I read all that right? Like, what, what's the full story behind that? I think that's a beautiful story. You definitely read it right. Uh, yeah, I wrote that song back in November of 2019 with uh, two Athens kids, Kyle Clark and Mackenzie Carpenter. Yeah, Kyle's from Jefferson, Georgia, but we met in Athens and Kenzie's from Athens. And Kyle was the only one with a publishing deal. We were just a bunch of Georgia kids getting together to write one time. And uh, we, we wrote Villain and we all kind of walked away from it and never talked about it again. Like when you think you have a smash, you're texting in a group all night long. Like, y'all, we did it today. I can't turn this song off. Like we did not talk about that song again. Kyle sang the demo that day. I didn't even sing it. And 
Um, it was a story that all three of us really related to. Um, I think the title villain, I had it in my phone for a long time. Cause I was like, that would capture my attention if I was on Spotify or Apple music. And I saw that, I'd be mm-hmm. like, what's, what's this about? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what the story is going to be just yet, but uh, we all ended up going through breakups where people just made us seem like the villain when really nobody was at fault. Fall on the sword. You're like, that's cool. Like, you, you can be the hero. That's fine. We wrote that song and it sat for a couple months. And I was with my producer who is a killer, like pop movie theme kind of production kind of dude. And I said, dude, I think I want to just demo this out and feel it out. So I might want to release it for myself. Can you make it feel like Keith Urban meets Marvel? And I think he did it. And uh, yeah, and that was, I mean, by the time he got that demo back to me, it was February of 2020. And then we decided to actually record real vocals on it and create a master. It was done by June of 2020. And then I just sat with it. And I had this gut feeling about that song of after the money I barely had that I spent to get this thing done, I still didn't put it out to the world because I just had this weird feeling that I still can't describe. And when I downloaded TikTok in October of that year, a couple months later, I put every demo up under the sun that I had. And the only fully mastered song that I had was Villain. And my fiance, Dara, was like, that's your best song. You have to put it on TikTok. And I did. And uh, put it on TikTok at like 9 p.m. one night. And I woke up the next morning and somebody in town that I'd met with one time called me and she was like, hey, what are you doing? It's like, I'm at the gym. What are you doing? She's like, no, <laughs> idiot. Like, have you looked at TikTok? Villain has 600,000 views in 12 hours. And I was like, whoa, like nobody had done numbers like that in country music yet. No, like not anywhere close and hit a million in like 18 hours or something. And then it hit 3 million again, two days later when I posted it. And then it hit like 5 million the next time. So it just went crazy. And it debuted at number one, all genre on iTunes on December 15th. So we were sitting there above Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You for like eight days. Taylor Swift had just put out an album. We sat above her. Just things out of my wildest dreams that I never expected. And it was, it was all trust in the gut and authenticity and, feeling what's right and having a good fiance with some good a and r <laughs> good ear <laughs> yeah i mean you talk that was that was the right play good on her like right? that was that was awesome and i do think you know you talked about the production piece of it sonically it's a different vibe and i felt that during your show like in in, a, in the best way and, and maybe that's just my personal experience because after kind of reading about your story it makes more sense to me because it, it seems like from reading your story that R&B and hip hop and things like that were yeah. your base growing up. And I could hear that. I kept telling my wife, I was like, man, this sound is like, I feel this. And like my favorite song that you played at your show was I Don't Smoke. Uh, hey, it's our favorite song too. I'm glad. <laughs> it's a, it is a banger. <laughs> Absolute banger. Yeah. Cool. And do you know, are you familiar with Craig David at all? I don't think so. Okay, Craig David had this big song like in the late, I guess it was late 90s, I was in high school, um, called Seven Days. And Seven Days was cool. And, but they did a remix on it where him and Most Def did it. And so it was same vibe, but so Most Def starts it and then Craig David goes into his piece. But I want you, when we get done, listen to Craig David's Seven Days remix okay. with Most Def. 
And I'm telling you, the sounds are like, it's just a jam. And so that's what it reminded me of. I'm yeah, going to pull it, up now so I got it when we get off. Yeah, All it's right. awesome. Deal. And so anyways, my brother and I used to just jam it after baseball games. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyways, when I heard that song, I was like, oh, man, I dig this sound. But I think that's the hook, right? You talk about being authentic. That's not a Nashville country music sound, right? Like that's not that cookie cutter sound. And I think that's why it works so well, because I don't know, it's just it's awesome. So. Yeah. I appreciate it. No, it's it's cool because uh, the I only had three songs released when I put Villain on TikTok. So Villain was in the fourth song that I had out for the world um, in this era of my my career and my life. And Matt Morrissey was the producer on those first four. And then when I signed with Big Loud, I started working with Joey Moy, who is responsible for Nickelback, Florida Georgia Line, and Morgan Wallen, which are arguably three acts that have changed music when mm -hmm. that's when those sounds came out even though they're all so different the brilliance of joey moy he is responsible for just eras of he created the sound and then everyone copied him for five years afterwards and um it's really cool that joey just kind of runs with my vibe yeah. he doesn't try to make some songs like what they could be to country them up or anything like that. Sometimes, you know, I, I'm in country music and I am a country music artist with those hip hop and pop sensibilities. But at the end of the day, I'm country. And I think Joey's just, he's the perfect partner for me creatively of, uh, he just gets it. He's like, no, nah, that's too R&B. Now we're not going to cut that song because all it's going to do is drive the country people away or, or whatever it is. He finds a way to, to make it all just, be like a melting pot of yep that makes sense <laughs> you know and yeah. I, think I don't smoke is the one that we use a lot as an example of that because it's way too pop to have ever gone to country radio but it's a country enough song that was really cool when we sent it to hot ac radio it was like, you know th number 36 at hot ac sitting with ed sheeran and justin bieber yeah it's kind of like okay this makes sense and uh i've had I think it's just going to open the doors for hopefully cross collaboration in the future. But right now we really are targeting country music. And if we do a little differently, then I hope it keeps working. <laughs> the thing is, I think for me, lyrically, that is the right pocket, right? Like country, like all the lyrics in your songs, they don't live anywhere else. Like that's the perfect pocket. But I think what's neat about it is, in this huge listening chamber, right? You get this unique corner that has just a different sonic flavor to it. And I don't know, it's, it's, it works. I, big time. I'm a big believer. And I think that there are so many components of uh, artistry and um, a song that make people think it's country. Like if you mm -hmm. look at Morgan Wallen, the way that he sings songs, like pull them up to the show and down, you never around. You know, it's like nothing about that melody and that cadence is country. It's as bold. Right. Yep. It's not the production, it's not the melody, it's his actual vocal. And you have people like Dan and Shay, where it's the lyric and the production that makes it country that's similar to mine, because Shay doesn't have a sense of twang anywhere. Where it's kind of like, I do think I've got a little bit more twang than the Rascal Flats, Shay, Mooney kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's really cool, you know, they're things that Luke Bryan does where there's nothing about the production that is country at all, but his voice, how do you not say it's, how do you say it's not country? 
you know? So it's all really cool. And, uh, I think we're, I think we're fighting for our spot in this genre and people are listening and it's cool. I'm, I'm grateful. And I mean, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. right? right? As, as long as they're listening, that's all yep. that matters. True. Everybody else can kick rocks. So yeah, well, I love that. Well, so you brought up your parents. Tell us a little bit about your family and the influence they've had. Obviously most folks that listen to our show will be very familiar with your pops, but tell us about your parents and your family and the impact they've had on your path. Yeah, my, my parents have been absolutely incredible. My brother, too. He's my best friend in the whole world. I got a little brother four years younger. And um, I just, I grew up in a family of entertainers. My mom, group fitness instructor, and would sing karaoke and entertain people every night of the week if she could. But uh, not afraid to be on stage in the life of the party. And my dad is on the radio. My dad's Hondo on the George Bulldogs Sports Network. And, uh, you know was Larry Munson's right-hand man for years and is now with Shock and Zyre and Scott Howard every Thursday and Saturday. And um, talk about a dude who's not afraid to be on stage. My, my father is an incredible host um, and a talent when it comes to writing and the microphone. And then my brother, he does stand-up comedy. He played guitar for me for years and he's a singer songwriter as well. So um, there was never, any question of do we let this kid chase what is burning inside her right here, whether it's soccer and basketball, which took over my life for so long or music. I was nine years old begging my parents for a drum set and they actually bought their nine-year-old kid a drum set. (laughs) That's love. Dude, I stand this. I'm like, if we grew up in like Nevada where they don't have basements, I might not have a record deal right now because the basement was the saving grace because they could just send me down (laughs) there. But, uh, you know, there are not a lot of parents that would kind of see every time I get in the car with my kids, she's singing and it doesn't sound the worst. She has rhythm and she's, she's expressed passion for this thing. That's going to only cause chaos, noise, and swiping a credit card, you know, money. And they did it for me. And then when I wanted to start doing playing guitar, they did it and they got me the lessons and they, uh, they always just were, I was so fortunate to be able to have a family that can financially support, but emotionally support and never question, Hey, Lil, I think you need to be, you know, they always ask me to study more, but they never asked me to give up the gig to study, you know, <laughs> and, um, and just amazing. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. I grew up with a dad that in the state of Georgia's, you know, a little mini celebrity and kind of recognizable places. And uh, Chuck Dowdle was giving him a hard time last year, like right after Villain blew up. He was like, well, damn, Hondo, she just blew right past you. And it's like, <laughs> just Chuck being like hilarious. But it's a, uh, there are a couple of things that were inevitable in my life and me bleeding red and black and barking at everyone I know still as a 29 year old was one of those I didn't have a prayer. My, I, my, my dad is a damn good dog and just got inducted into the Georgia radio hall of fame a couple of weeks ago as well. Well-deserved. And, uh, he's a badass, you know, and I, I grew up, grown up around the dogs. I've been at every big game in the last 20 years and I'm grateful. <laughs> so I know you were in Indy, my brother and I were there as well. Oh yeah. Can we, can we first discuss how it was colder than Hoth from <laughs> oh star <God>. Wars? <laughs> Dude, okay, so I think I forget how cold it was because that game was on a Monday and I kicked Mm -hmm. off the Chris Lane tour in Boston on that Wednesday. 
So I, I drove up to Indy with my family and my fiance. We went to the game, stayed the night, drove back on Tuesday, flew up to Boston to actually catch the Bruins on Wednesday night, play on Thursday. So I was in, I hit Boston, Connecticut, New York that first weekend in January. And then I flew up to Minneapolis Ooh. the next weekend. And it was negative 32 wind chill. So oh I think my in Lord. my brain, I keep forgetting how cold Indy was because I just got my life ruined with those other cities after that. But that was one of the coldest days. Waiting to get into those bars and you're so excited and you're out there and you're like, I'm going to go watch Sam Hunt and Breland before the national championship. And you're sitting out right. there. Nope, I'm out. I'm done, dude. I'll catch you guys on the on the next one. <laughs> yeah, we watched we watched Sam's show from inside Lucas Oil <laughs> because we were like, we just we can't do it. I mean, kick-ass show. It was a great show. It was a great way to start start the game. Right. Um, hold on, little little small world detour we're gonna take here. So right. Chris and Corey were my brother's college teammates at Charlotte. <laughs> what? Yeah, so Chris and Corey played at Charlotte. Um, and my brother was at the same time. My brother caught for those teams. So I played at William Mary. My brother played at Charlotte and, uh, yeah, they were, they had a kick-ass team their senior year. They won, uh, the a 10, um, played in the regionals against South Carolina, played South Carolina all the way to the regional finals within that kind of regional pod. Uh, we spent three straight days in Columbia rooting them on like, yeah, it was awesome. Like, so in college, when they first started going, you know, Chris would, uh, he'd play acoustic, right? Yeah. And he would take, uh, his, one of the big ones he would do is he would take uh, ignition and he would play it on acoustic and he like do his does. stuff. And then he'd like roll it into Backstreet Boys. <laughs> so, he still does, dude. He does yeah. Mario covers. He does the, uh, he does Neo. He does everything. And, that, yeah. and Corey Lane, who is still playing drums for him, will be backstage and will put on a full ass Backstreet Boys performance. Like oh, those yeah. dances and everything. Those two are a hoot. They are so oh, they are laugh out loud funny. Good dudes, really, really good dudes. Every time they're in town somewhere, whether it's back in Charlotte or like we have family in Richmond, they're always so kind and accommodating and you know, yeah. just good people. So you love seeing people like that win. And yeah. So I love that you got to play with them. That's cool. Oh, yeah, man, we were out 18 weekends in a row with them. So I saw a lot of the, the Chris and Corey Lane uh, debauchery that went down. Yeah. Well, the good thing, too, is they're huge sports nuts, too. So it works out great. So there was always football on. It was great. Well, until the Super Bowl. So I guess football kind of ended. But I made them watch plenty of hockey. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Well, so tell me about Indy, because um, what were your emotions that night? Like, did you have... I'm sure you're probably like all of us. I think we all had enough scar tissue where we were all nervous. But I think, at least from our side, my brother and I had talked walking in. This is the most hopeful we felt. And we were in Atlanta for the SEC title game. I was, yeah, I went too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was tough. And I think some of that, too, was so fresh that it was like, okay, this can't be another one of those, right? This has to be the night. This has to be it. And, yeah. Yeah, I personally, I'm sure – now that I think back on it, coming off of just beating the ever-living mess out of Michigan mm -hmm. probably helped with the confidence of walking in there. But there was just something about this team, even going into the SEC championship, where it was like, it's, it's not a fluke that we're here. The talent mm -hmm. is through the roof. Kirby has now five years deep into this program shown that it is a serious, efficient, no mistakes kind of mm -hmm 
thing that I loved Mark Rick that we just never saw with that. Um, yeah. And before the SEC championship game, I said, my dad and I always were, we always talk the night before in the morning of, and I was like, dad, if we lose, I'm not going to be that mad about it because I don't think either of these teams can beat each other twice. Yeah. I would have been 10 times more nervous walking into that national championship. If we had won the sec championship, I think we walked in with the perfect amount of a chip on our shoulder, but also a, did you see what we just did to Michigan and right. their star defensive end that good luck and, uh, and, and everything like that. And I, I felt secure about it, but I'm, I'm with you. It was definitely the most hopeful, but for me, I was in Athens for five years and in those five years, it started with the, the South Carolina game in 2012 when Aaron Murray found out his dad was sick and he threw six mm. six in Columbia. Wow, that always feels good to go in there and now win in williams Bryce the way that we did. Yep. <laughs> it was that. It was the uh, – that later that year, the SEC championship with the Chris mm. Conley, the – all of that with Aaron Murray or six yards away from having to go play Manti Teo. And we would have won a national championship that year, hands down. Yep. College football playoff. <clears throat> I'm in school. We had to deal with the, the two weeks before the miracle in Jordan hair was the mini miracle in Jordan hair with the tip. Yep. And the hail Mary with Tennessee. Yep. <laughs> and there's one, Oh, Harrison Butker coming in, in Athens and kicking an unranked Georgia tech winning field goal and they ripped our hedges up and then everything else that happened in between there. And it was just like, for me being a student and living all of that in Athens and then 2018, us just double overtime, not pulling it out. Yep. Pulling it out. I have never felt more, not even signing the record deal. I've never felt more endorphins just released. And it was like, we did it. Yeah. This sigh of like, we did it, dude. And in Indy looking around and all these grown men crying, I was like, my feelings are so validated. (laughs) It all felt so battered and chip on our shoulder. And every, I mean, we, we did just choke. There were so many years that we just didn't follow through. And, uh, Something about that team last year. And then again, what I'm feeling even more this year is just the little mistakes and efficiency proves that is not how you win football games. It's how you Nick Saban teams. Yeah. It's how you just, you, you step on them and then you, you just keep turning the boot. And uh, it feels good to be on that side of the college football world for the first time. <laughs> yeah. We, we've said a lot and kind of starting post um post eight post 17 season 18 national title game but that you know everyone harkens back to 80 and when herschel was there and all these things and this is the good old days quote unquote and we're very vocal that the good old days of georgia football are right damn now and that everybody should be present in that and celebrate it because of all the things that you mentioned right we were all there for that we were all there for losing to UCF in the Liberty Bowl and going six and seven. Like you suffered through all that to get to experience this and not every fan base gets this. And look, this, this roller coaster is just going up the hill. Like 
it's not even on the downhill yet. So I don't know. It, it's just, it's been a fun experience. And I love that you brought up them just kind of putting the boot on people. James said in our reaction episode this week, he said, they're just out to snatch souls. <laughs> I said, that snatch. is exactly what they are doing. Snatch. And Kirby took it easy on Beamer this week too. The fact yeah. that we had Carson Beck in three minutes into the third quarter, we could have beaten that team by 80 points. Yeah. And it just felt good. And I looked and, you know, of course we gave up the touchdown. And yes, would it have been amazing to go, we, we're not going to let Kent State score, I don't think, at home. But would have been cool to go the first four or five games without letting somebody score, yes. But the fact that our fan base was still commenting as we posted 48 to seven in Williams Bryce, the final, and they're still commenting only the negative about the touchdown. I was like, man, y'all don't get it. You yeah. must have been there for all of those games. The fact exactly. That, you know, of like, Hey, that was our third. We get to see our third and fourth string guys in, in an sec opponent stadium. There's yeah, nothing I, you can ask for. <laughs> I loved it. Some people were posting videos with like a minute gone in the third quarter. And the entire stadium was like barren. Like Dude. all the South Carolina people were gone. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, because of that 2012 game when Aaron Murray, you know, had a rough night and threw so many picks, they obviously scored a ton. And what South Carolina does is when they are kicking off, most of the time that's going to be after you score points. Yep. They play Sandstorm. Yep. And Scott Howard on the Georgia radio team came on. And I, I, that song haunts me to this day because of that night. <laughs> Scott Howard came on and uh, my dad exited the halftime show. And Scott's like, we're back here to kick it off at the beginning of the third quarter. Dogs are up 33 to zero. And this is the quietest Sandstorm rendition I've ever heard before. <laughs> everyone was just gone. They're just oh, I love out, it. dude. Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome to watch and awesome to experience. And it is a different viewing experience because I feel like your anxiety is just way better than it normally is, which is fantastic. So hey, do you do you watch college game day? I'm sure if you're at the games, you know, obviously, if I'm tailgating or something, I'm not watching game day unless it's a night game. But did you watch this past week? Yeah, I, I told my dad this because he's he's never he never watches game day. I was like, Dad. I've now watched game day almost every Saturday that I can for the last 15 years of my life. And Alabama has been very dominant and Ohio state has been very dominant. And so has uh, Clemson. I have never heard the analysts of, you know, Desmond and Herbie and everyone talking about, well, guys, I think this is, you know, number one, Alabama. That's just so elite. I really do think that Arkansas is going to come in there and upset them today. And all they could talk about was South Carolina upsetting Georgia. And I'm like, yep. I can't even admit that we're elite. I don't nope. know what it is. And maybe it's the freshness of all of it. But I was like, I've never heard them talk about that. And it was just so weird that every time our game got brought up, everyone was like, well, South Carolina, they might be able to pull one on Georgia. It's like, it when? Yeah. You know, it's just weird. It's it's a whole different experience. And I do think you're right. I think there's still the national football coverage at large, I don't know, has fully adjusted. Um, I mean, Peter Burns came out on SEC Network and made a very solid statement, which I was all about. But uh, Peter, he's been on board since last year. I mean, yeah. he he's bought into Kirby Smarts Georgia and I'm here for it. 
I think the rest of them are catching up a little bit and trying to figure it out, but they better get with the program because I think it's last week. That's a hell of a statement. I mean, what we now we've scored 137 points in three games, something absurd like that. Yeah. And giving up 10. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, against number 11 in a neutral site. I know it's in Georgia, but in a neutral site and then another seven and, uh, uh, opponents SEC and they looked like an Oregon they look like a JV team that day and that's a, that's gonna be a just fine football team I mean they I was talking to James about this on our show to recap SC they could realistically win the rest of their games like they could be 11 and one that's I told my dad right after the Oregon game I said I am the most excited not to watch what we do over the next three weeks because we don't really play anybody. So it's not going to be the real, like a real test. I want to watch what Oregon does over the next three weeks. Cause that's yep. going to show what kind of football team we really are of if they can beat BYU. That's at that time was ranked number like 14. And I think they were 12 when they played last week. And then they have somebody else this week. That's at least in conference. And I was like, I want to watch what they do against those teams. Not what yeah. we do against these like, pay them a million dollars to come in right and i'm feeling pretty good about it because it's holding up that oregon isn't a bad football team we yeah. were just that good <laughs> yeah yeah and i think the depth is is really starting to show and i think it's they've built the culture now yep. where it's just the expectation top to bottom like you could see nolan smith on the sideline in the fourth quarter yelling at the backup defense to be in the right spot and to uphold the standard. And I think that's what's shifting. And I think that's what, and look, last year's team will get a lot of credit for that and justifiably so, but I think you also have to give credit to the Roquan Smiths and the Nick Chubbs and the guys that kind of set that foundation of, Hey, we're supposed to be here and this shouldn't be something that we're surprised about. This is where we belong. So I think that's, I think that's where we're headed. That's that's a killer observation of the guys that that were the the first Kirby kids. That's you know? right. And Kirby came in and said, "This is how we're going to do it," and they they passed it down. I mean, Roquan, that would have been my first example too, hands down. What a guy! Oh, he's he's one of our favorites. He's one of those guys where I feel like I hope history uh, remembers as they should because I think he's one of the most dynamic players ever to put on the uniform. You know, another one that's like that, who's on staff now, who, who I don't think it's talked about enough is Jarvis Jones. I oh. mean, yeah. if, if just for what he did against Florida, Florida. While he was there, like, but just the Florida game. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I hope he is one that, that as he continues to get farther away from, from being a player in the program, people go, man, Jarvis is a guy that he should go in the in the pantheon type thing. I, I he's in mine absolutely, hands down on that those defensive guys. You know who's tearing it up? I'm a Titans fan, and I was at the game last not not last night, but last week against the Giants, and the two leading tacklers for the Giants were Aziz and Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder, yeah. And I was like, dude, Aziz Ojolari was leading tackles, and then Tay was number two. I was like, man, I'm kind of mad at you guys but if y'all are rocking Derrick Henry like that up the middle good for you (laughs) yeah yeah it's funny the NFL has become an exercise for me now where I'm literally checking every game because I'm checking on the guys like seeing how they're doing seeing how seeing if guys are getting run like it's 
it's awesome. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of becomes a full weekend thing now where you just get to root for the dogs, which is incredible. It's like you have two fantasy teams kind of, cause that's how yeah. I do. I'm just checking depth charts on, I watch NFL red zone if I'm not at the Titans games and I'm just checking depth charts. I'm like what number is, oh, there he is. Yeah. You know, it's fun. I'm glad somebody else does that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to pick some games with you. You got to, you got to get yourself here in the battle for the 10 pounds of red. If you are the, the winner of this, after all the guest pickers, you will have a uh, red, pretty much replica world heavyweight wrestling belt. Oh, let's go. So it's pretty awesome. And the one we got this year is actually different from the first two years. I mean, it's not real, but it's, it's a faux gator skin, which I felt was most appropriate oh, yeah. for this. So. Yeah, so a red faux gator skin belt is who's, what is coming. Who's won the last two years? So um, Chase Kelly, 7-6 Apparel, was yep. year one winner. Cool. And uh, Arthur Lynch was the winner last year. He won second to last week. There was lots of people in the running. So it's been a – It's this year has been – the results have been better. So we had Brooke Whitmire week one, who we love. Okay. He's an absolute beauty. Yep. He was six and four. Okay. Aaron Davis, who we also love, was on week two, also six and four. And then Travis set the standard last week, seven and three. So All seven right. and three I, I is the hurdle. To... That's it. That's it. I just got to beat Travis. Okay. I'm here for that. I'm in. All right. All right. So first game this week is Clemson going to Winston-Salem to play Wake Forest, who obviously is coming off a great year last year and got Sam Hartman back healthy. Thankful to hear that. Clemson, though, is a seven and a half point road favorite. That's a noon kick on Saturday. Who are you liking that one? You know, looking and seeing that, like, Wake could only beat Vandy by 20 points and giving up 10. Liberty 37-36. I'm taking Clemson all day. Okay, so my co-host James is taking Wake. Okay. He likes what they got going at Wake. I'm very conflicted on this. Wake has a defense problem, which makes me nervous. Um, and I think Clemson talent wise, Jimmy's and Joe's is better than them. Um, I think I'm going to take Clemson as well. I am buying Clemson because I love their defensive front. I think if Brian Breesey hadn't gotten hurt in the opener against Georgia last year, I would have been a lot more nervous for the remainder of that game. Um, so I think they have an elite defensive front and I think they will overtake wakes line. I think it'll be a fun game, but I think Clemson pulls away late to cover. So I'm with you. I like the tigers in that one. Um, I'm actually too, uh, my dad's going to be listening to this. So dad, sorry, but, uh, I do do DraftKings, and I'm going to throw a parlay down for all my picks too. Oh, I love this. Oh, James is going to love this. I'm going to throw like $3 down because the the odds are going to be absurd, but it'll be insane. I started doing that with the guest picker on game day. I started this week with Luke Combs. I threw $4 down. And if I would have won, I would have won like $18,000. Yeah. That's the best part about these like 10 game parlays is if you hit every leg of money, that's what James, James always does a big one each weekend. I love a good parlay too. So I'm here for this. I love this. Okay. So the next game we have on the list, I'll tell you for a couple of reasons. I mean, look, this is kind of a sexy matchup. Now there were murmurs that game day might have gone there undefeated Duke going to undefeated Kansas. Whoever thought we would utter those words in the year of our Lord, 2022, but here we are. Did you see and, Kansas Duke UNC and Kentucky are all four and or three and O for the first time ever. Yeah. I saw somebody had posted quote unquote basketball schools, <laughs> which Crazy. I thought was funny. Yeah. 
So uh, also full disclosure, three of my siblings went to KU. So I, I'm a little biased with this one. That's fair. But, I, I, yeah. I that. but KU eight and a half point home favorite. I, I don't know when the last time they've been that big of a home favorite, but uh, who are you liking that one? I think I'm going to take Kansas. Love it. I love it. I think I've got to take Kansas. I, they were the first one that caught my eye with the, wow, the basketball school isn't doing too bad this year. And then uh, I've been following along. So I'm, I'm excited for them. I don't think that they're going to do anything crazy, but I think they might be Duke. I like it. I'm all for that. James is also taking the Jayhawks, and I'm going to wave the wheat with y'all and rock chalk Jayhawk as well. I can't pick right. against the family, so I'm going Jayhawks. Plus, their quarterback, Jalen Daniels, is a uh, having a great year. I, yeah. I was telling somebody today, you know, if they were doing Heisman odds based on actual on-field results and not just name recognition, it'd be him and Stetson. <laughs> well, Stetson now number two in the running. He was number four I know. into South Carolina, and now number two. I'm like, and he should be. I feel like a combination of – I was telling somebody this. If his name was fill-in-the-blank with former five-star recruit, with the numbers that he's had this year and the team that he plays on, people would be essentially awarding him the trophy this week. Yeah. But because he's Stetson – Because he's Stetson. Yeah, I just, it just drives me nuts. I, I, I don't know what this kid has to do to get Dude. some shine, but I'm ready for it. I, uh, one of the most infuriating parts of last season for me was even after the SEC championship going into Michigan fans and friends oh, yeah. asking, you think we're going to start JT in the national championship? Why aren't we doing JT? I'm like, you get that you only watch 60 minutes of football of this team a week and Kirby and the coaches are watching thousands of snaps. You don't exactly. think they're like, well, I think, I think maybe Daniels has an attitude problem. I'm like since when does Kirby care about an attitude problem? He yeah. was the best quarterback, but like under center every time. And I've been a step fan since, you know, halfway through last season, I was like, this kid is doing it. Kirby clearly sees something like, let's go. You got to get behind him. Come on. Yeah. hundred percent. Plus like he's, <laughs> I think low key, he's super funny. Like, I'll tell you a couple things. Number one, I don't know if you saw, but, you know, he's been on the social this season, which is cracking me up. Oh, yeah. Like, number one, he was he talked a little shit in his caption this past week, which I was every bit here for. But then tonight on his Instagram story, all the Instagram story, because you, you, did you see the story about him coming out and saying that on his playlist is Bubbly by Colby Calais yeah. and Juicy by Biggie? And so everybody's like, like. UGAsports.com interviewed Colby Calais about being on Stets pregame fantasy. That's amazing. <laughs> outstanding. Well, tonight on his story, he posted Blues Traveler. So I'm like, he's just messing with people right now. Like, oh, definitely. It's all, <laughs> it's all like a, I'm just gonna play into this. And I love that. I think that's the best kind of humor. Like one of my favorite things from him when so I told my like brother and I told James, I said, this is when he permanently endeared himself to me as I was watching the year of the dog thing. And they showed a clip from him, like an outtake when Jen Latta was interviewing him before the national title game. And she was wearing black leather pants and he walks in and she stands up and he shakes hands without missing the beat. He goes, did you watch friends? And she's like, yeah. And he goes, do you remember when Ross wore those pants? (laughs) 
I about fell off of my chair. I was laughing so hard. Yeah, we reference that being at sweaty festivals and stuff all the time. Us trying to get our skinny jeans on and off. We're always like, I feel like Ross right now. So yeah. I love that he made that reference. You can make yourself a pair of paste pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it was too good. I was like, Stetson, you're the man. That is just it's fantastic. Okay, next game, Maryland at Michigan. I have this one here. Maryland, Maryland's undefeated. They're probably not real. But Michigan ain't played nobody. They've been favored by 40-plus points in all three of their games. So, at least hopefully, you know, two his brothers, the quarterback at Maryland, Mike Lockett's there. They like to fling it around. Maybe it'll be interesting. Um, I think Michigan's quarterback, Kate, I can't remember which one. You know, they've been doing the rotation. One of them is hurt. So I think they have to go with the other quarterback for the whole game. Hmm. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. So Michigan, 16-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Terps. Who do you like in that one? I, I hate Michigan. They just keep crawling as the years go by, and they keep paying Harbaugh all this money to essentially be a mascot there but they can't show up and do anything. I just hate them more and more every year. I think they just take up space, but I do think they're going to beat Maryland. My cousin, Doug, sorry about your Terps, dude, but they, they ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James is also taking the Wolverines, and I think I am too. I just think it's going to be too much talent top to bottom. Plus, uh, I generally have a hard time picking teams that have burned me in the past, and Maryland burned me three times last year. I'm still not over it yet. So I'm going to have to go with the Wolverines till they prove us otherwise. Yeah, Maryland's okay. just one of those teams because my cousin went there. I actually do pay attention to what they do, and I'm just like, they got to – I can't bet on them, dude. No, <laughs> no, no, that's, 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 good, uh, that's good counsel there. Okay, this next one is sexy matchup this week. Game day is going to be in Knoxville. Everybody's going to be wearing that horrible, horrible, horrendous orange and going crazy. Um, although I will say, in fairness, I've been in Knoxville, had a fun time there. I do want to go back and do Vol Navy. Like, not with Vols fans, but I would like to, like, tailgate on the river. That seems fun. Never done that before. That I've would be a good been, time. Never been Neyland. I've been to so many SEC stadiums, and I somehow – I live two and a half hours away, and I've never been to Neyland. But, um, it's massive. I've, I've heard. It's just a little concrete jungle from what I've Yes. Heard. Let me tell you which game I was at. I was at the Nick Chubb ACL game there. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I I remember where I was. I was up in New Jersey, actually about to head to the Michigan State Rutgers game. Long Ooh. Uh, <laughs> that may be a story we need to hear. Yeah, not even a long story. Same cousin that uh, went to Maryland. His sister went to Michigan State. And my, uh, my aunt and uncle live in Jersey. So I was like, oh, I'll just go up there and we'll tailgate for Michigan State. Get to watch that. Just that a little fun. nice afternoon in Piscataway. Nothing wrong with that. It was cold and it almost went to overtime. You want to know the craziest part about that game was Rutgers was down by one with five seconds left. And they were on like, maybe not. Yeah. It had to have been five seconds left. They were on like the 10 yard line. And I don't know why they weren't trying to go for a field goal. I don't remember the, the instance other than the quarterback didn't know that it was fourth down. Oh no! <laughs> so they snapped it and he spiked the ball. Oh no! <laughs> Thinking it was oh, third that's down, tough. and then the kicker could come out with no time left and kick the field goal, and he still. Oh. It was yeah, that is a wild story. But that's okay, tough. There are very few matchups that I can honestly, wholeheartedly say I wish they could both lose. Yes, hundred percent. But there, I, there's just not even the New York Yankees 
that I could cheer if they were playing against Florida, that I could cheer for Florida. <laughs> and I do think, I do think that Tennessee is a better football team this year. I think we're going to see, uh, we're the obvious number one in the SEC East, but there's this thing right now with Kentucky, Florida, and Tennessee where I'm ready for them to suss it out a little bit. And uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to be able to see who the real number two is. Because in my opinion, they're all the same team right now. Of the, they're all ranked between eleven and twenty, and it's like, yeah. what do you really do? And uh, I, I don't know. Florida almost losing to South Florida last week, and losing to Kentucky. I'm gonna go Tennessee at home. Yeah, James is taking them too, and so am I. I, I, I told him after the games on Saturday, I texted him. I said, I don't know if Vegas can set a number high enough where I won't take Tennessee this week. Right. Uh, just because Florida seems to be a little bit of a mess. And look, it's like most things, right? Uh, football's so driven by quarterback play, especially at the college level. And Anthony Richardson, look, plenty physically talented. He's finding his way. And he looks like he's swimming right now. I mean, the last two weeks have not been good. And I, going into that hostile environment, and Tennessee is going to score points against Florida's sorry, sorry defense – it's going to put pressure on them. So, yeah, I think Tennessee could run away with this. I think it's yeah. going to be a big Vols win. Yeah, I'm um, taking the spread on that one. I, I think that they're going to run away with it, too. It's either going to come down to a field goal to win for either one of them, or I think Tennessee is going to beat them by 28 points. Yeah. Okay, next one on the list, a little bit of heart pick. Uh, James's alma mater is James Madison, and yeah. first year at FBS. And they're playing the sexiest team of the year, App State, coming off there game day appearance last year and the miracle on the mountain what an ending that was gee whiz somebody wrote um what did they say somebody said something like if you haven't visited boone it's too late no it won't be there anymore (laughs) yeah they're gonna they're going to burn it to the ground dude i i listened to my dad it's a noon kick for the dogs i'm obviously competing with college game day if i'm home and i can sit on my couch have my coffee and a beer and watch game day I always have my dad on, so I'm not listening. But I told him last week, I, I texted him, I said, Dad, I'm listening to you on game day commercials, but these kids are yelling so loud at App State <laughs> that everyone just keeps laughing. And it was the most infectious place I've seen oh, on yeah. game day in a long time. And it's at App State again. As much as I would love to go and help James out with this, I'm choosing App State. I mean, <laughs> you, you couldn't ruin their day if you tried right now. He texted me. He goes, I'm taking the Dukes, but it's just a pure heart pick. I can't not take them. I said, I respect that, homie. That's, that's good. That's, that's what you should do. I think I got to take App State, too. I just, boy, they got a lot of good vibes right now. And I do think last week it was tight because they were coming off all those emotions from the A&M win. And then we told Travis, did you read the story? They didn't get home from A&M Saturday night. They had problems with their charter. They had to stay in College Station. They go back to their hotel that they stayed at no rooms. So they had to sleep in hallways and in conference rooms at that hotel and then get their charter at like 5 a.m. the next morning. So a lot of stuff going on for them. That'll take the wind out of your sails or it won't because nothing could. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, they, uh, so I just still think too home game kid brewer and it's afternoon. It's going to be nice. Have you been to Boone? I've heard Boone kicks ass. Yeah. I've only been to Boone. Uh, one time, like pulled in at dinner and had to roll out the next morning. We were driving up to Ohio State um, from Athens, but beautiful, 
really, really good food. We had a killer burger and then some dope breakfast the next morning. So yeah, comeback shack. That's where I got the burger. Ooh. They've got comeback sauce. That is, it left a fond place in my heart for Boone because of that. Comeback shack. Okay, I'm gonna have to put that on the list. I like, yep. I like to remember places. I went to this place in Asheville a couple weeks back. My first time ever in Asheville called Tupelo Honey. Oh uh, yeah, Tupelo is a chain, but the first oh. one was Charleston or in a uh, in Asheville. So they had Nashville hot chicken and fried mac and cheese waffles. Yep. I, I mean, out of bounds. Just yep. so good. I was Dude, so happy about it. Nashville rocks. I'm glad you've gotten to experience that place. Oh, good town. I would suggest it to anyone. A-plus town. Okay, ne- next one is on the list because I think it's interesting, but I'm a little mad at myself because I'm a big-time rivalry game person that has a trophy attached to it. And I totally negated that SMU and Texas and TCU play this week, which is the oh. battle for the battle for the skillet, iron skillet. I really messed up not putting that on the list. That's on me. Hand up. I'll take okay. I'll take the Fair. blame for that. So instead, we're taking we're going to pick Texas and Texas Tech. Texas obviously been a talk of college football since they near miss against Alabama. Big win against the Roadrunners from UTSA last week, and they are four and a half point road favorites going into Lubbock to play Texas Tech. Who are you liking that one? You know, I think Texas currently is another team that's a little overrated just from what I've seen. I don't think it was the fact that they can compete with an elite program like Alabama. I think that they – Alabama has this fun thing that if they are not – if it's not working, it's not working. The entire (laughs) – all four quarters, they – you know, it's just – it ain't it. But I just – I don't know. There's something about Texas. Maybe it's because I'm still a little salty about the Arch Manning situation. (laughs) Um, You want to know what? I think I'm going to – I think I'm going to go Texas Tech here. I'm going to take an upset. It might be my only upset. This early in the season, I'm not a big upset person, but I'm in. Texas Tech. All right. I love it. I'm here for it. All right. I think you're going to be on an island on this one, but that's okay. I, I, I still love it. Uh, James is taking Texas. He's rolling with them. I think I'm going to take them too. I, I think the, the decider for me, I like the kid Hudson card, the backup that came in and played. I know he's still a little bit injured, but I liked him. I think he good player. I, I think it would have been interesting to see what happens if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt against Alabama because they were humming right along. So kind of the what if game there, but, um, and Bajan Robinson, talented kid had a really good game last week. I think they can kind of step on his shoulder. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Hook'em until right. Sark proves me wrong. I'm going to roll with them. So we'll see hey, on that one. You want to know what? Talk about an impressive schedule based on the rankings right now. Texas Tech, they've got three top 25 matchups in a row. Yeah. We could, uh, if we could get Clemson or any of the ACC schools to have two, then that would be nice. Yeah. You know, it's, they, they battle their own conference because the ACC is so comically bad. <laughs> so, it is just so bad. But hey, what can you do? Okay. The, the next one is all dogs' favorite teams on the West Coast. Now we're all Oregon fans. Now we want them to win out, and they got to go up to they got to go up to Pullman and play the Cougars from Washington State, who are surprising. I, I believe Wazoo's undefeated right now. They went into Wisconsin, got a big win. So interesting matchup. Oregon is a five and a half point road favorite. Who are you liking that one? You know, I'm definitely taking Oregon. I don't think they had their best showing against us, but again, back to what we were saying earlier, I don't think it's because they're a bad team. I don't think it's because Bo Nix is a bad quarterback. I think we just owned him and them that yep. game. So uh, I not only think Oregon, but I think Oregon by a lot. 
Yeah, James taking them too, and so am I. I. I just think it's a talent thing, top to bottom. They're just, I think, better than Washington State. Now, look, r- true road college game. You never know what could happen, but I just feel like the talent will take over. Oregon has got some NFL guys on defense, and and when Bo is not doing silly things like throwing it to the other team, he can do things. And I think yeah. if they balance him out, he can be a weapon. So, yeah. Plus, I'm rooting for Coach Lanning. All right, what one more song for you since we're talking about Washington State? There's a song called the Pullman Song that I'm going to need okay. you to look up on YouTube. These guys at Washington State. The only reason I know this is my buddy from law school went to Washington State. He's like, "Hey, dude!" Every college Saturday, we got to listen to the Pullman Song. So he plays it the first time, and I'm like, "Okay." And then the next weekend, he played it again, and I'm like, "Okay." It's kind of like an earworm now. It's kind of catchy. And so I do not see Washington State Cougars that I do not think of the Pullman Song. So give that a whirl. It's by Tyrant. Is that it? That's correct. Bet. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good. It'll make you laugh at least. So, all right. It. The next one, next one's super fun matchup. Old uh, Southwestern Conference matchup. Arkansas A&M playing each other at Jerry World at AT&T Stadium. A&M is a one and a half point favorite, which did surprise me a little bit. Who you like in that one? Man, I will say Arkansas last week with Missouri State and their former head coach, you know, you got <laughs> Petrino coming in there and just – we almost had another million-dollar uh, ATM withdrawal. Sure did. From that that team. But I do think Arkansas has a little something-something, and I'm kind of rooting against Jimbo Fisher right now because it's really easy to. So I'm actually going to take Arkansas – in in college station and i could really regret that pick and i don't know if i bet on them on saturday with money but i'm gonna take them right now i'm gonna take arkansas so james and i will never pick against the fighting sam Pittmans. we love sam Pittman. god what a beautiful what a beautiful man he is he is so we are taking the razorbacks faux show yeah um somebody wrote on twitter and i thought it was laugh out loud funny that if they said if Missouri State pulls off this win against Arkansas, Bobby Petrino should pull into the press conference on a motorcycle. <laughs> oh God! Oh, that this is been... this is such this is such a silly sport, such a silly sport that we love. But yep. boy, it makes me laugh. Okay, another fun game this week: USC going to Corvallis to play Oregon State. USC, interesting team this year, and a bunch of the kind of straw polls I saw with all the different sports writers had USC in their projections for the college football playoff. Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, a lot of stuff going on in L.A. Uh, They are a a six-and-a-half-point road favorite going to Corvallis to play the Beavers. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, I definitely like USC, but I – you know, the Pac-12 is hard because they have a lot of ACC-isms about them. Mm-hmm. Even if there's a lot of top 25 teams, are they really? Yeah. And, uh, I think that they, honestly, like the other four Power Five conferences, just get exposed big time. And if they make it to the college football playoff, I think there's going to be some exposing happening, hopefully by yeah. us. Yes. But, uh, no, I think right now it's kind of hard. Lincoln Riley's really got them got them back and they're on fire a little bit so i'm going to take usc yeah james is taking them too and i am too i just think it's going to be too much firepower i i think usc has got some issues on defense and i think if they played a quality opponent that would be exposed very quickly um 
but I think they could roll out just Kayla Williams and, and Jordan Addison and be fine against Oregon State, even given Oregon State starting the year pretty well. So, yeah, I'm taking the Trojans too. Yeah. Um, and then the most important game of the week, which actually I think is the hardest one to pick because of the number, um, Kent State coming in between the hedges to play the dogs. Kent State already played Oklahoma this year and uh, I think will be a good football team, just, you know, obviously going to be outmanned. But Georgia is a 43-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Hmm. So this is less of a will the dogs win and more of a can they win and cover that number, which makes me nervous. Maybe, you know, I've had a lot of self-reflection since we've won the national championship. And I feel a lot, uh, I feel very boastful lately when I'm starting to make these bets against my friends, (laughs) Missouri and South Carolina and all of this. But I stand by it, especially after that Oregon showing. I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel that bad about it. I'm now only, if they're an unranked opponent, I'm only taking spread bets. So this last South Carolina game, when I bet on it, it was a 25 and a half favorite on the road in Williams Bryce. And I told my friend who played softball there, I said, okay, I'm not even saying if you win or if I win. We're not talking money line. If you guys come within 25 and a half points, I have to do something. And if we beat you by 25 and a half points, and uh, we obviously did that. So I think we're definitely going to score more than, like, we're definitely going to beat about more than 43. I think at home, uh, we saw what our second, third, fourth team can do against an SEC opponent away. I have no worries in the world that we're going we're gonna to stay strong. And Kirby's he's not going to put the pedal to the metal on him the way that he did I think with USC I think he'll let up even earlier against a Kent State but damn Kent State's earning their money this year Oklahoma and us big time big time yeah James is taking him to cover which surprised me a little bit he uh he generally gets nervous on these huge numbers with non-power five opponents Hmm. So I did not take them to cover against Samford. I just had a feeling there'd be a little letdown and the weather made me nervous because I didn't think we'd fling it a lot. But weather's going to be beautiful in Athens on Saturday. And I I think um, they are going to continue the momentum as they go into the the full conference schedule. So I like them to cover this number two. I'm taking them this week. Um, I just think they're humming. And one thing that has struck me this year, and it kind of started at SCC Media Days, don't you think Kirby is masterful at creating a villain when nobody else sees a villain? Yeah. It's like he has made it so I, – I feel like they all believe everyone has marginalized your national title last year. You won the national title, and it still wasn't good enough for everyone to say that y'all were the best. It was only because X, Y, and Z happened. So what do we have to do this year, boys? Leave no doubt. We're just yeah. going to drop the hammer on everybody. And, I mean, they've played like that. They have played with their hair on fire since the jump. Yep. So, yeah, yep. I'm with you. I think they're blowing them out. I'm with you, too. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't on game day, but I watched SportsCenter and get up every morning, and somebody was like, you know what? It's just funny to me that Kirby's team is doing so well, but that guy is just so serious all the time. Like, have you ever seen Nick Saban or Bill Belichick? Right, exactly. You do realize that there is only one night you celebrate in college football, and it's if you win the national championship. Other than that, it is a game day, and it's work, and then the next morning is back to work for the next opponent. And it's like, people blow my mind. But 
I, I really love the tone that Kirby has right now because there's there's a human thing about him that we get to see with his locker room dances sometimes and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the energy that he brings on the sideline compared to a Belichick or Satan. You know, like yeah. he still brings this fiery, youthful energy to this team while also a no-nonsense, no-mistakes, efficiency, get in, get out. And uh, I think you're right of like, what else do we have to do other than kick the absolute living crap out of everyone to just shut everybody up? And I think this week and maybe next week, if we can do another 40 or 50 point win, um, it's just going to just keep tacking on of people's jaws dropping because it's a good football team. Really good. And they seem equally as connected as the team last year was, which was one of my worries is how do you duplicate that? But they seem to have done that in spades and it's, it's just awesome to watch. And um, yeah, boy, it's, it's a fun time to, to root for the dogs. So I just got chills thinking about the fact that I'm about to be in Athens and what day is today, Tuesday, three days. I'm, I'm bringing the band. I said, Hey, I know we usually that short of a drive, we leave the morning of, but if you guys are cool with it. I'm going to get us a spot. We're going to go do Friday night. We're going to hit Terrapin. We're going to, I'm going to show y'all, a night of vacation in Athens and then a game day and uh, play the Georgia theater. So I'm stoked. Couldn't have been a better week for me to come on here and do this too. Just so even more excited to be in Athens this weekend. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this, for spending time with us. We love getting to hear your story and love spending time with you. And so before we let you go, tell everybody where they could follow you on social. And then um, we will also post links for tickets to the show on Saturday night. If folks haven't gotten them already. Um, cause make sure y'all go out and see Lily and Travis. First off, it's going to be a kick-ass show, but second, they both love the dogs too. So why wouldn't you go? And it's at the George theater and the George theater rocks. So too many, too many reasons not to do this. Come on. Yeah. You can find me everywhere. Lily Rose music at Lily Rose music, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you guys come on out to the Georgia theater. Or if you're listening in other cities, you're, you're like, a lot of us that are diehard dogs that live outside the state lines, uh, look me up, come see a show. I, I can promise you it'll be a fun time. So go dogs forever. And thank you so much for having me. This has been, I could talk to you all night. <laughs> well, you're welcome anytime. And we can attest from personal experience that Lily's show is awesome. So if she comes to your town, make sure and go see her. You won't regret it. So Lily, we are fired up to have you on and we will keep watching you and keep rooting for you. And as we always close out, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs, baby. Hey, come on. <laughs> Today's Georgia's better now.